Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Victor. Uh, I'm from Moore College. And uh, as you could probably tell from my height, uh, I'm Indian. <laughs> my family, we came to Australia when I was about three years old. Um, and that was probably about 28 years ago. India is a really interesting place. When you ask someone from India what they think Jesus looks like, this is what they say. This is what they think. That's Indian Jesus. He's uh, dark hair, um, uh, you know, kind of dark complexion. It's really interesting. All around the world, people have all sorts of expectations about what Jesus looked like. Uh, in the Ethiopian church, this is what people picture when they think of Jesus. In the Western world, if you ask someone about Jesus, this is the picture that comes to many people's minds. That's from the, uh, the Son of God movie. But in reality, you know, scientists can do this. They can take skulls and they can re-image what the person's face looked like. Uh, in reality, when scientists reconstructed the faces of uh, ancient Jewish skulls, this is what they came up with. It's radically different, isn't it? Now, to be clear, this is not Jesus. This is just what the average person back in Jesus' day may have looked like. The reality of what Jesus probably looked like is quite different from what people expect. Now, it's not so important for us to know what Jesus really looked like, but it's important for us to know the reality of who he actually was. Plank that out. Because we need to make sure that we're not deceived by our own expectations of who we think Jesus is. Uh, we need to be going back to the Bible uh, to figure out who Jesus says he is. In the passage we just read, Jesus meets a skeptical woman. He meets her near a well. And this woman is going to have her expectations about Jesus completely shattered. At first, she's going to think that Jesus is a swindler, trying to rip her off. Then, she's going to think that Jesus is a prophet, sent from God with a message. But finally, she's going to come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. So let's see this unfold. Point one, Jesus, a swindler. Uh, Jesus was sitting near a well while his disciples left to buy some food when, verse 7, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The woman of Samaria is skeptical about Jesus. Who does this man think he is? He must have some ulterior motive. Take a look at verse 9. The, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. So she thinks the only reason why Jesus would be speaking to her is that he wanted a free drink. And friends, this kind of skepticism is still felt today. Many, many people think that Christianity is nothing more than a means of exercising power to control and exploit people. Many people think that church is nothing more than a cash grab. And you know what? To be honest, 
many churches do this. They use the name of Christ to promise people the world. They promise good health, they promise prosperity, and they promise lots of children in exchange for a dollar. These corrupt and immoral teachers especially prey on the elderly, the sick, and widows. It's absolutely woeful. Uh, this is uh, Mike Murdoch. Um, he is one of these people that I'm talking about. He's a false teacher. He says that if you send him $1,000, you will receive the miracle you are waiting for. This is, <laughs> this is what he said on a, on a television program. Quote, Somebody's son is going to be set free from alcohol because of your $1,000 seed. Someone's going to avoid a divorce because of the $1,000 seed. Somebody's going to, um, so some girls on drugs, so some girl on drugs, because of her mama's prayers, are going to be set free because of the $1,000. Somebody who wants their credit card debt wiped out, if you use your faith and sow $1,000 by that credit card, God's going to wipe out your credit card debt. Friends, there are hundreds of false teachers out there like Mike Murdoch, swindlers and con men who misuse the Bible and who use Jesus to fill their bank accounts. And if that's been your impression of Christianity, if you think this is all just one big pyramid scheme, I want to encourage you to not judge Christianity by its misuse. Don't let these men inform you about what Jesus is all about. If you want to know what Christianity is all about, go straight to the source. Uh, Look at Jesus, the founder. You see, Jesus is more than the woman at the well expects. Uh, Jesus is not a swindler. He's not trying to exploit this vulnerable woman. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus doesn't want anything from her. He isn't trying to exploit her. Instead, Jesus wants to give her something extremely precious. Jesus is offering her living water. What exactly is this living water, you ask? Jesus explains this in verse 13. Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, referring to the water in the well. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water that Jesus offers is one that will sustain a person to eternal life. Jesus is offering this woman eternal life. Now, it's at this point that Christianity differentiates itself from every other major religion in the world. The religions of the world say that if you want to go to heaven, if you want to go to paradise, or if you want to obtain eternal life, you must do a certain amount of good works. Uh, The more good deeds you do the more likely it is for you to enter the good place in the afterlife. 
So that means that people are willing to go to great lengths to achieve this goal. The Buddhist monks, they take vows of silence. Uh, Hindus abstain from eating beef. Muslims follow the five pillars of Islam in order to please their God and secure a place for themselves in heaven. All these people are relying on themselves and their moral effort to achieve eternal life. Jesus says, eternal life can't be earned. Rather, it's a gift from God to be freely received. Jesus offers this woman eternal life. And you know what? That same gift of eternal life is being offered to you today. Believe in Jesus for eternal life. That's Jesus' message. Now, this woman is really excited about Jesus' offer. So she replies in verse 15. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. By this stage, she's no longer suspicious of Jesus. She's willing to hear him out. Jesus responds by telling her things that he could not have known. And the woman sees him as a prophet. Now, this is point two, Jesus, a prophet. Have a look at verse 16. Uh, Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, it's not quite clear why she had five husbands. Uh, it's possible that she was a serial adulterer. Uh, it may be that she was a promiscuous, unfaithful woman. On the other hand, it's also possible that she was a serial victim. Uh, it's possible that she um, was mistreated and used by all the men in her life. Regardless of whoever deserved the blame, the point is that Jesus knew things about her, shameful things. Jesus knew the secrets of her heart. He proves to her that he is not a swindler. He is a man with supernatural wisdom and insight. And so she confesses that Jesus must be a prophet. Did you know that over two billion people in the world believe that Jesus is a prophet? All Muslims and some Hindus believe that Jesus was sent by God to carry a message. Uh, I found this quote in the, in the Quran. Uh, this is uh, moments after Jesus' birth. This is what uh, the Quran says. But she pointed to the babe. They said, how can we talk to one who is a child in the cradle? He said, that's baby Jesus from the cradle. I am indeed a servant of God. He hath given me revelation and made me a prophet. Most religions have their prophets. And I think it takes a lot of faith to believe in their prophets. I mean, to believe in their prophets requires you to believe that God has spoken to them in a dream or vision. So in Islam, you need to believe that Muhammad received a vision from the angel Gabriel. In Mormonism, you need to believe that Joseph Smith 
received a vision from an angel who showed him the location of two golden plates that contained messages from God that you could read with special glasses. To believe in these prophets is to put your trust in their subjective experience. But on what basis can we trust these prophets? I mean, how do we know that these prophets are really from God? Or, or how do we know if they just ate too much cheese the night before? <laughs> well, the Bible tells us. Uh, here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 18. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? This is the answer. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. The test of a true prophet <clears throat> The test of a true prophet is whether they speak the truth. Are their insights valid? Do their predictions come to take place? The Old Testament is full of true prophets. For instance, in Genesis, God speaks to Abraham, and he says that he will make him a great nation, and he will inherit a specific part, portion of land. And 500 years later, Abraham's family becomes a great nation, and they get to inherit this promised land. Prophets are judged on their ability to tell the truth. And Jesus is seen here as the real deal. He peers into this woman's soul and tells her all about her life. He speaks with so much wisdom and so much insight that she begins to think, could Jesus be more than a prophet? This is point three, Jesus the Christ. Take a look at verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jesus tells her that he is the Messiah. Uh, Messiah is just another word for Christ. Now, Christ isn't just... Uh, Jesus' last name, um, it's actually a title. Uh, we actually use lots of titles, even to this day, um, and here are some you may be familiar with. So you've got uh, Reverend Joe Wilshire, Sir Donald Bradman, Shaquille O'Neal, PhD, that's actually true. <laughs> and you've got Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ. Uh, each and every one of these titles has a long history, uh, there's a story behind them, and, and these titles communicate something really significant, something really important about these title holders. Uh, we can take Sir, for example. In order to be called Sir, means that you must be knighted by the king or the queen. It means that you're recognized for doing something really important in your field, or you've done something really good, like, like an act of chivalry. Furthermore, this practice has its origins from uh, William the Conqueror back in the Middle Ages. Coming back to the Bible, the title Christ meant that you were anointed or chosen by, 
chosen by God to do a special job. Uh, This title has a long history in the Old Testament. Uh, The kings and priests were the ones who were anointed. Uh, Kings were anointed to lead God's people with justice and fairness. And priests were anointed to offer sacrifices to God, to kind of maintain that relationship between the people and God. Uh, In the past, many people were anointed. But both the Jews and the Samaritans were eagerly awaiting for God's Christ to come and restore the kingdom of Israel. Uh, This woman, she knows that the Christ is coming, as she has been living with great expectation. She meets Jesus at the well, and Jesus says, Wait no longer, I am he, I am the Christ. Uh, This woman is left gobsmacked. Take a look at verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? Uh, Could this man that she met at the well, who promises her eternal life, Could this man who knew everything about her, could this man be the one she was waiting for? Well, the woman goes back home and tells her entire village that she may have found the Christ. And the village, they come up to Jesus and they spend two days with Jesus. Jesus teaches them. Wouldn't it be great to have a weekend away with Jesus, sitting under his Bible teaching? learning about God through the Old Testament. I would have loved to be there. We don't know much about this weekend, but the Bible gives us a quick summary of Jesus' two days' worth of teachings. Take a look at verse uh, 48. Sorry, 42. The people of the village say to the Samaritan woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. This is what the Bible says, sorry, this is who the Bible says Jesus is. Jesus is God's anointed saviour of the world. Over the last few weeks, we've been asking people, who do you think Jesus is? And that's a really important question. I mean, we want people to be thinking really hard about this. But asking a question like that is like trying to figure out what Jesus is is like by looking at those different portraits. Because most of the time, people just project onto Jesus what they hope he, he ought to be. Some will say, and I've met them this week, some will say that he's a fraud. Some will say he's a hoax and a swindler. Others will say he's a wise man, a good moral teacher. Some will say that he's a prophet. However, the the more important question we need to ask is who does Jesus say Jesus is? Who does Jesus claim to be? According to Jesus, he is the Christ, God's anointed person, who will save the world. The Samaritans and Jews, they had such a small view of Jesus. They expected him to be the one to restore the kingdom of Israel. 
Jesus had so much bigger plans. Uh, Jesus wants to save the world. He wants to save it from sin, and he, wants to, and he wants to save it from death. Jesus wants to give people eternal life. Throughout history, many people have claimed to know the solution to the problem of death. Uh, many religions have sprouted up. Many philosophies have been developed. However, none of them is able to defeat death. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, died and was buried. Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, died and was buried. Gandhi, the great pacifist, died and was buried. Stephen Hawking died last week and was buried. Jesus the Christ dies, was buried, and he rose again. Jesus defeats death. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, he now offers the same life to us. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done in life, Jesus offers eternal life to anyone who would believe in him. Jesus is so much more than people think. And if this is true, if Jesus is who he claims to be, then today eternal life can be yours. Uh, You can literally leave church today having eternal life. Friends, if you've been thinking about this for a while, and if God has been putting this on your heart, if you know it's about time to get right with God, please don't let this moment pass away. Come talk to me. Come talk to one of the ministry staff or a Christian friend after the service. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to sit down with you and tell you more about what Jesus has done for you. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word and revealing Jesus as the Christ, your anointed saviour of the world. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is so much more than we expect. We thank you that he gives us so much more than we deserve. Father, as we consider Jesus, where there is doubt, uncertainty and disbelief, Grant us faith to see him as he is, that we may be partakers of your gift of eternal life and live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.